Welcome to the Next Level Soul podcast, where we ask the big questions about life. Why are we here? Is this all there is? What is my soul's mission? We attempt to answer those questions and more by bringing you raw and inspiring conversations with some of the most fascinating and thought-provoking guests on the planet today. I am your host, Alex Ferrari. I've always wanted to help the audience take their soul to the next level, so I've partnered with Mind Valley and other amazing free courses on spirituality, mind, body, soul, longevity, wealth, and so much more. All you need to do is go to nextlevelsoul.com forward slash free. Disclaimer, the views and opinions expressed in this podcast are those of the guest and do not necessarily reflect the views or positions of this show, its host, or any of the companies they represent. Now, today on the show, we have the UK's most popular psychic, Nikki Allen. Now, Nikki and I had a wonderful conversation about her journey becoming a psychic and the trials and tribulations she went through, which were quite difficult to say the least. But we also have a deep conversation about the future of humanity, where we're going and what we need to do to survive and thrive in the new world coming for us. Let's dive in. So welcome to the show, Nikki Allen. How are you doing, Nikki? Oh, I'm doing PG Keen, Jelly Bean. I'm so excited to be on here. And what I've got to say, right, before I even start, you are so Colin Farrell. Right, I look oh. at you and you are the actor Colin Farrell. You're so handsome, but you've got oh. his energy as well. We'll talk about that in a bit. But look at you. Oh, gorgeous. Oh, gorgeous. Uh, Let me say gorgeous uh, here. Gorgeous. I appreciate it. I'm with royalty here now. I'm like going to have to watch my P's and Q's, darling, because I'm with the legend that is Alex (laughs) Ferrari. Oh, my God. Oh, this is going to be a long interview. Yeah, you're going to need some headache pills and all sorts of stuff. And Vicodin, that's what you have over there, isn't it? Yeah, you're going to need a Uh, Listen, My dear, thank you so much for those kind words. I appreciate it. I've been looking forward to having you on the show for a while now. Uh, And finally, the schedule's connected uh, to get in. You've lived a heck of an adventure so far and are continuing to live an adventure. Can you tell the audience a little bit of what your life was like before you came into your own with your psychic abilities and mediumship abilities? It was pretty tough going, actually. I've got Mm -hmm. to say, um, I I was literally my first memories of knowing that I was different. But, you know, at the time, I didn't see it as being different. I thought everybody could Mm -hmm. do it. I started seeing an ebb and flow of energy at the top of the landing when I was Mm -hmm. about four or five years old. And I kept seeing this white light. And I knew I shouldn't really go through it. But I was so connected to it every night. I'd astrally plane towards it and travel all over the place. And I thought kids could do that. Um, And I used to dream of things that happened the following day and so it was a really lovely poetic type of yeah spiritual like you know up upbringing until um my dad passed in a road accident when I was nine and two days after I was walking out with my aunt the whole family around the house because obviously the grief of it it was only 37 my mum was 32 with just three kids I was the eldest at nine my brother was five my sister was nine months old it was just such a tragedy because my dad is like me (laughs) He was just larger than life, loved parties and joking around and the positive signs of life. And he was just the best medium ever. And we came from mediums going 
way back way back when I come from a stock of really good mediums and all of the men are seventh sons of seventh sons. I'm the one that broke the mold, darling. Yes, I am. Mm-hmm. And um, I remember he pulled up in his car and um, I was walking my dog with my auntie whose husband was in the road accident, but he survived. So you can mm. imagine the guilt he went through. He was oh. a firefighter and it eventually killed him mentally that he was there and he blamed himself it wasn't his fault um and my dad pulled up fully manifested get how I don't know I don't even know I don't know how it all happens I just accept it and I go with it and I share it with everybody else and he was in his car and he pulled up and goes it's okay Nick I'm all right and I was like oh my god my mum's just told me my dad's dead what the hell and he just pulled off smiling I'm like what so I I literally ran back I, I left the dog off the leash ran back to the house and streamed the house down um how dare you say daddy's dead I've just seen him and that's when my dad's dad my granddad Fred who was the Gandalf of mediums you know Doris Stokes all of the famous mediums he used to mix around with he used to go with Scotland Yard and give them advice on murders but it was all under the carpet then in the 60s and the 70s sure. And um, he said, you're going to start seeing people that are dead, basically. And he said, you're going to see angels. He goes, you're a very special girl from a very special family. Don't ever show fear. Just know that you're always going to be looked after. Um, And that really did serve me well because I went through, my mum went through a complete breakdown. She became an alcoholic. Um, she'd lost her soulmate, she'd lost her reason for being. They were the most, and you know, this is one of the things throughout my whole time as a, a medium and as a cop, as a, as a police officer, is that you just think you lose the love of your lives. Why? When you've got these people that hate each other and you're going right. around every night going, oh my God, that's the same luck. Come on, get all our stuff out because it's going to be a fight. And, you know, she just, uh, her her whole soul broke. And then she ended up being with a very violent man. And I went through many, many years of physical, sexual and mental Mm -hmm. abuse. And so my um, awareness, if you like, of, of the spirit world, the angel realms kind of boiled in the background. I resented them a bit thinking, well, how could they let this poor child as an adolescent be exposed to this monster and my family? You know, and mm. I remember sometimes after like an abusive episode, I'd be rocking and I would hear the only way I can describe it is like a, a very distant radio station playing like someone next door's playing music. And I could hear this like choir and these songs. And I thought, what the hell's that? And I just thought it's just me going mental. <laughs> Mm-hmm. But during all this time, unbelievably, I had the most strongest resilience because I was obsessed with wanting to be a police officer. Right. And so I, you know, I literally every time he attacked me in any way, I would go straight to the police station because I had this massive belief in justice. And um, eventually my mum deserted me because I did that. I went against this man that had groomed her to be submissive. And I ended up becoming a police cadet two days after, uh, sorry, two months after my school days. And then I literally qualified um, into being a police officer, ended up banging him up. He went in, he, he, but he didn't go into jail though. He didn't go mm-hmm. to jail. And there were massive assaults and all sorts of things, but he never went to jail. So I kind of had this, a lot of, you know, stuff going on in my head, lots of demons. And this is like, oh, I should be laying on a couch, love. 
That happens. That happens on the show. I'm waiting for the proof. And um, I I literally ended up being one of a very young detective, promoted detective. The only thing I ever wanted to do was investigate murders. I was obsessed with murders Mm. and um, people that had the mentality and the energy to kill other people. But this is the this is the weird thing. During that time, um, when I was going through my police career, I would do party tricks and we would be out, you know, having a beer in a bar. And I'd go, see that man over there? His name's this. He does this for a living. And they'd be, oh, my God. And I used to do readings at the training schools and all the courses. And by 21, I was doing parties, psychic parties. So I wasn't really taking it seriously. I was kind of, you know, a cop during the day. And then doing these psychic evenings in the night and it started to get around. And then what used to happen was being on the murder investigations, I started seeing the victims. So my predominant job was being a family liaison officer, um, which we facilitate information between, you know, the, the, the detective bureau and obviously the people involved, the family of the murder victims. And I, I was like walking, like, oh my God. And the murder victim's going, hey. And I'm like, oh, oh. So, you know, Ronnie Ronnie was one of them. He got he, he was part of the gangland shooting, um, which is quite rare, to be fair, over here in the UK. Not now, but it was back then in the 90s. And he was just standing there next to the television. So I'm walking in as a, you know, professional detective. And he's standing there, this big muscly guy, really good looking, because he'd he'd literally been shot in the head in front of his wife and his his son on the doorstep. It was a hit. And to walk into that, but he's standing by the TV going, hey, can you tell him I'm okay? I'm fine. I'm like, oh, my God. And it was so hard. And it wasn't until about six months later when I'd really got to know them that I said to her, do you do know why... I keep wanting to say to you, Johnny Bravo, she goes, what are you talking about? And I said, look, you know that I do psychic stuff. I have mentioned it before. I said, I've seen Ronnie. And so I said, he keeps talking about Johnny Bravo. She goes, oh, my God. She goes, he keeps changing. The channel keeps changing to Johnny Bravo. Do you remember that series? Of course, of course. Yeah, the big hair. And he looked like him. He was like really like, you know, yeah, dude. And his nickname was Johnny Bravo. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. And now back to the show. And they just go, yay, bravo, get over here. And so she goes, that's his nickname. She goes, is he here now? I said, yeah, he's just standing by the telly. He was here the first day I come here. And so it really started to interfere. And, you know, with my investigations, another one, there was a lady that was that was literally found burning in a carpet, oh. in a car. She'd been rolled up in a carpet. And, and I went to the scene because I was one of the investigators on the on, on it this time, rather than a family liaison officer. And I felt I needed to go to the scene. And I connected with her. I said, just tell me, just show me. And I saw her being rolled up um, after being throttled by her husband. I know it's her husband. The problem mm. with that is, is that you then take it back to the, the office Say, I've just spoken to Tina and she says her husband killed her. You can't do it. So we used to have to pretend to have anonymous calls and, you know, information's come in, but it was me. Um, And then we got the motive for the killing, a very long story short. um, I went to one girl that was just in inquiries on that was a a young daughter of the friends of the family. And I saw flashes of her making out with the husband. 
And I ended up grabbing her and taking her out saying, look, you're in love with him. What's happening? And so she said, I, I can't believe he did it. But I, I said to him, you can't divorce her. She was 15. You can't divorce her. We're just going to have to stay secret. So in his mind, he thought, I'll get rid of her so I can be with this young girl. And he oh, got geez. his nephew. He got his nephew again. I'm interviewing the nephew going in. You can imagine you sit all the time on the TV. You've got all the cameras on and you're pressing mm. record. And I'm like this professional detective walking in and I'm looking at it and I can see him rolling her in a carpet but this is supposed and this is the nephew he's he's rolling his aunt in the carpet for a cut of the insurance money and I'm like I can't do this and and my partner at the time like you know my crime partner said what's happening I said I'm getting visions I can't carry on with this interview he's 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 involved the nephew is involved and then the thank goodness the nephew feigned this massive seizure and we had to stop the interview and Again, a long story short, because obviously, you know, you need physical evidence as well. And we found that evidence. But I actually got the motive for the killing because I turned this girl and said, you're in big trouble. You need to make a statement here, girl, because you're in big (laughs) trouble, girlfriend. And she went, oh, my God, I can't believe you know about it. And so in the end, we got the motive for the murder. And it it literally she said I knew he had killed her because he wanted to be with me. So it was it, you know, it kind of juggled all the time. But I still the reason why I mentioned the abuse is because so many people are love and light and fluffy mediums. Oh, it's all so wonderful. And I found that I I resented that when I went my journey that I'm going to say about, I resented them being all love and light because it isn't love and light. You know, it's it's hard having your human incarnation down here. And so I had I got retired from the police service um, and pretty much had a breakdown because I had I got a back injury. I, I broke my back, ripped loads of ribs from my spinal joint, picking a dead body up from a crowd. I tr- I saved her life, that girl. And I didn't even get a thank you. <laughs> I didn't even get thank you. And I got retired from the police service. It's all I ever knew. It was, you know, your family are the police. You know, you you socialise with the police. Your neighbours are the police. Everything Mm -hmm. is about that at the time. It's your family. And suddenly I was extricated from that. And I was like, wow. And then this is giving me the spoiler. I'm giving you the spoilers now for my most recent book, Rise and Fall, um, because... I literally then within a couple of months had my house haunted beyond belief. I'm talking, I'd go past a light bulb and it'd just go, it would just smash what? into smithereens, the doorbell, ding, dong, ding, dong, ding, dong, permanently. And chandeliers okay. swaying above my so head. I have to stop you there for a second, Nikki, because this is interesting because obviously you have the ability to see the other side. You see ghosts, mm. you see you're a medium and you're actually see, you see, um people have passed isn't there some and this is from again my knowledge of mediums and psychics that i've talked to over the years isn't there some sort of like rule that you go like hey i don't want to see you i you know you have yeah so how could some how could someone be haunting or groups haunting you exactly that was the problem because as far as I was concerned, like, for instance, you know, the psychic parties and stuff, I'd be tottering off, doing all my little messages, doing my little readings, yeah. closing down, creating a visualisation to close down. That's enough now. And yeah. it would close down, apart from, obviously, when I was in front of murder, victim families. Sure, and all that sure, stuff. sure, sure. I just kept it quiet. But it was out of control. And the partner I was with at the time, um, he was a firearms expert in the police. And he was like, 
I just heard that. He goes, what the hell is going on? And he was hearing it. I literally had people in my bedroom going, Nikki, Nikki, Nikki. And I'm like, oh, my God. And I thought I was going mad, but he could hear it. And so one night I'm going, go back to the light, go back to the light, doing all of my stuff. And in the end he went, will you just F off? I need to get up for work tomorrow. And they kind of went quiet. Then it started again. And then the worst thing was the spirit baby crying. Right. And there was oh nothing I could do. I couldn't. I, this, do you know, like, the, wah, wah, you know, the young. Yeah, it's like a horror movie. Like a, hor- like a horror not, movie. Yeah. It literally was like a horror movie. And I was like, oh, my God. And he goes, you've seriously got to go and sort this out. What the hell's up? I said, I don't know. I've never had this before. I don't know. And this baby, every room I went into, it would then go into the next room. And I'd walk into the next room. And in the end, I was like, for Christ's sake, what are you doing to me? What is happening? And I just I just didn't know. I was, I had no control over it. I had no control. But By this, then, my this... granddad had passed. My dad had passed. So I'm trying to ask them up in the spirit world, what the hell? And, you know, it just, and I never followed the church route or, you know, going to spiritualist meetings. That was like a busman's holiday. So I'm like, I don't know what to do. I just don't know what to do. It just carried on month after month. And I was getting no sleep. I was getting cranky. And I'm like, everywhere I went, there were things flying off the side. And it was just, what the hell's going on? And it wasn't until my friend phoned up. Um, because lots of my friends, they kind of say, oh, chuck a few cards out for me. If they want a proper, you know, reading, because obviously they know me, they tend to go elsewhere with someone I recommend. And so she goes, oh, I'm going to a medium. I'm really scared. I said, what are you talking about being scared? I said, you've really known me all your life, love. And she goes, oh, no, but my friend's cancelled. Please come with me. I just want a bit of moral support. Right. So I went, okay, then. So we knocked on the door of this medium. She opened the door and it was like a movie. I'm not going to lie, Alex. Right. She opened the door and she just went, the baby will not stop crying until you serve spirit. And I went, whoa, hell no. This is like, what? The? And she went, you need to come in here. She completely ignored my friend who had paid for this reading. And she said, you are an ambassador for the spirit world. You have been chosen. You will not, you will not know any peace until you work for them. It is your destiny. And she said, you've had a massive blow, you've lost your career, but that was never your career. Your career, your vocation in life is to bring your knowledge to the masses. And so she went, don't move a muscle. So so then my friend goes in for reading, she comes out and this woman's just staring at me going, my God. She goes, I've never seen such a natural medium in my life. She goes, you literally have one foot in the spirit world. I said, I always have, it's my family legacy. And so she goes, you are coming into my circle next Monday. Um, and I'd never sat in a circle, a development circle, you know, and for people that don't know, it literally is you just have a meeting, you're invited to a circle, you sit in a devoted energy every week at a certain time, you do meditations, mm-hmm. you bring spirit people in. And, you know, straight away, my first guide turned up and I'm like, blimey. And she even, you know, said, your first guide's here, this is who he is. And that was one of my, my Sedona guides. And I'm thinking, oh, God, it's a Native American. I've got one of those, have I? And uh, she even said his name, and that was backed up. As I say, it's all in my book. And then she said, you're ready to get on stage. I went, oh, no, I don't think so, darling. No, 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 no. She goes, yes, you are. And so within a month, (laughs) within a month, she had me stand in front of over 100 people um, at a spiritualist centre in Grays, Essex. And um, I, I was absolutely terrified i can't even tell you i was my legs were shaking 
sweat dripping down my back and the thing is because I was like kind of like 34 35 people expect mediums like now because I'm an old fart now (laughs) I expect (laughs) you to be oh she's old she's got loads of skin on her because most mediums are fat she's got the webby dress I don't do that but they go oh yeah she looks like a medium she's gonna be really good right but I'm turned up I've rocked up in jeans and a floaty top right and my long blonde hair and they're like, and you could tell they're like, oh, she's going to be crap. <laughs> right, because you didn't look the part. You didn't look, look the part. Yeah, I didn't look the part. They're looking me up and down going, she's rubbish. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. And now back to the show. So Aggie's going, you're going to, she was Irish. She's like, you can do this. You know that, don't you? And I went, Aggie, you are just mental. If you think I'm going to be able to do this, I can't. And all I can tell you is I stood there shaking. She did her bit, right? And she goes, I want to introduce you to someone that literally is up the top, but has just started. It's Nikki, Nikki Allen. I had to change my name because um, I'll tell you about that in a minute. So I stood up there and I was shaking and literally you could feel the judgment. Yeah, the energy, sure. And they, sure. Don't, they, don't, they don't mean to, but they want their mum, they want their dad. They don't want to be mucked around by some young bird who's rocked up in her jeans and her heels. Do you know what I mean? So right. they're kind of like, all right, then, come on then. And so I'm like, oh, my God. And then suddenly I, I remember having putting this water in and I was doing this. I think I can't even drink water because I'm just going to throw it all over me. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so and suddenly this calm I'll never forget, it's making me go goosey and emotional. Oh, my God, I'm quite emotional. This calm came over me, and it was like, this is your destiny. This is who you are. And I stood there, and suddenly this beautiful man came up to me and said, you've got to tell Rob that I'm sorry. And so I said, why? And he goes, because this is what happened. And he showed me walking to a pub over here, bar, and he walked in. He showed me it was the Royal Oak with the with the oak on top of the on top of the bar. I walked in, went up to Rob, his best friend. His name was Mark. And he went up to his best friend and goes, Hi, mate, let's just have our last pint. I'm just off. And he goes, What do you mean, just off? And he goes, No, I don't mean just off. I just want to have a pint. You tell how much I love you. He goes, Oh, don't be so stupid. He then literally left the pub got on his motorbike and drove it off a bridge. So I panicked to begin with, because I've never addressed an audience of ever with my medium. You know, we used to do these sure. little these little parties. And so I've said, look, I know I've got someone that I think killed themselves. And I'm thinking, oh, you should have said, take myself over. And I'm still, you know, I'm criticizing myself. My ego's getting involved, which is the worst thing as a developer medium. And I said, and I know that he went over the bridge and I know that it was in here, it was in Grace. And then everybody's like that. And you could hear a pin drop. I'm like, oh my God, I'm so wrong. And then suddenly again, this feeling come over me that said, you push this, you say what you see. So, and, and I know that this man went into the Royal Oak pub and then it suddenly started coming. And he, he spoke to Robbie's best friend and he said he was having a drink, but, and I was really reeling it out and it was just spitting out. And um, she went, oh, my God, oh, my God. And this woman put her hand up. She goes, that's my husband, Rob. It's his best friend, Mark. They drank at the Royal Oak, and he and he, he can't live with himself because he never knew that would be his last conversation with his friend because he then just drove off a bridge in Grace on, on his bike. I was like, oh, thank God for that. And as soon as that triangular link took place where the, the person acknowledged it, that mm-hmm. was it. 
Mark was yeah. in and he was just rattling out fact after fact. And I stood back and was watching it. That's the only way I can describe it. It wasn't trance, but I was kind of stepping back and just letting my mouth just go, blah, 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 which is quite easy for me. <laughs> and and uh, everybody's going, oh! and everybody started talking amongst themselves. And I'm looking around panicking and Aggie's like, you're smashing it and everybody's like, oh my god and suddenly you could see the energy and they're like oh my god I want to read it from her now I want she's amazing I want to read and so, and it just happened and this woman's crying her eyes out and she's like I've got to find my husband oh my god and everybody's cuddling her and I saw the impact of what a medium can do mm-hmm. what a genuine beautiful natural medium can do to a person that's holding so much pain right. and eventually I ended up meeting Rob and having a one-to-one with him and I helped him rid himself of the demons it wasn't just about look how clever and it's never been for me never even when I was on television even when I was at the top of my industry working with the likes of Colin Fry and Derek Accor I never was look at me aren't I amazing it was aren't spirit amazing and my god how grateful I am that I can channel that to someone and bring them healing that was the most important thing for me and from that day, I was booked in over 80 churches, spiritualist centres throughout the whole of the UK. Within six months, I was asked to do my first documentary series, which was, um, do you know the uh, the, the um, Myra Hindley and Ian Brady, the Moors murders of the six children mm. they killed? Mm. Horrific. If mm. you mention that in the UK, it's one of the most horrific child murderers ever took place. They mm. literally would take them and talk to them and buried them on the moors up in Yorkshire. And I was asked to go and do that. And I literally just stood like a robot in in these hundreds of thousands of acres and said, this is where one was buried, this is where the other one's buried. And I just literally turned into a walking, talking antenna for the spirit world. And then suddenly the angels started coming in. I'm like, who are you? And there's this seven-foot bloke standing in me. Oh, way. I'm Michael. And there's this sword and this blue cloak. I'm like, that's nice. Who are you? And a lot of it came to me I like because I've never read about it I've never you know my nan and my granddad and my family would have tarot cards when I was a kid and tea leaf reading so I never studied it or read about it and I still am organic now to this day I don't it's like I just for instance I don't know if you've heard about this I never have but a little while ago I went up in a meditation and spoke to Julianus what my main soul guide, right? I ate my guides. I'm like, oh, but they are. That's the only way to call them. My mates, mm-hmm. I call them, mm-hmm. but I suppose you've got to call them guides. And he said to me, you need to talk about the Schumann residents. And I thought he said the Schumann residents, right? Mm-hmm. So I'm thinking, mm-hmm. oh, I'm really good. I've learned something new here. But it's the Schumann residents. Do you know about that? I do not. Right? I didn't have a clue. And so he said, you got, you need to mention this because you need to lift the vibration of the planet because everybody's in crisis with the money situation, with politicians, with, you know, all of the global disasters, the what pretend, you know, the potential war with Russia and the Ukraine. And blah, blah. he goes, you need to lift them and you need to talk about the Schumann residents. I'm like, I've never heard of it. And it's the same with the angels. They would come down, you know, because what happened, I'm reeling it all out now because it's the most incredible roller coaster ride of my life because when I, I I then literally from that time rose to such heights, it brought a lot of jealousy. I will say that from fellow mediums, I'm like, where the hell was Nikki Allen come from? You know, where, where, yeah. we didn't see her in the <laughs> development circles. We didn't see her training. 
you know, and there's a brilliant, I don't want to do a spoiler on it, but in the book, there is the most juiciest, sexiest bit Mm. where someone talks to me like a piece of garbage. And then a couple of weeks later, because I said to her, do you mind if I kind of practice in your church? Who are you? And then two months later, she's phoned me, a few months later, she's phoned me, we'd love to have you here. She didn't realise it was me. And then I turned up, oh, it was just absolute sexiness. <laughs> and then suddenly the TV opportunities, and I was working with legends. I don't know if you know Gloria Hunnaford. She's one of our national treasures here. And I was doing a series of angels, and there was documentaries going, and I was doing uh, magazines all over the world, doing radio. And so it just went bang. Before I knew it, I was sitting in front of TV things and having chauffeurs. I'm like, this is random. And then Colin Fry approached me and said, you need to come and work for me. Come, I need you with me. You're just, you know, you're the new Doris Stokes. You've got a direct line to heaven. I need you. I want you working with me. And so I was touring with him. And obviously he sadly passed, didn't he? Yeah. Um, and then I, I literally thought the world I, I've got the world for me to show that there's an afterlife as well as angel realms and I was loving it I thought my purpose was to show that the afterlife is real it's so re- how people can say oh we just die I, I just can't even compute it because mm. I see spirit people every single day I see miracles and synchronicity all the time so I couldn't get that then what happens I have a road accident and I get taken out like that. And within three or four months, I'm fighting because I've suddenly got this chronic fatigue and chronic pain and they can't work out what's wrong with me. Mm -hmm. I'm in bed all of the time. I was dragging myself out of bed to do a show and then come back and go and sleep for the next few weeks till I had to do another one. And I was fighting until eventually my partner at the time cleared me out he stole £65,000 off me because I was in a wheelchair and I then lost my house I had a holiday home in Devon where I live now that got repossessed and a very long story short and this is my first book me myself and I a diary of a psychic um, which was my journal throughout I literally ended up with ME and fibromyalgia ME you would know is chronic fatigue syndrome over in the States we'll be right back after a word from our sponsor And now back to the show. Um, and I became homeless for eight months. And right, I so got, for- you've had this. I got, you know, you you resonate with this because you, when I say Colin Farrell energy with you, you have got the most open, beautiful, sincere, wonderful heart. But you've also known toughness. You've known street smarts. You've known, and there's this rogueness in you. <laughs> with Colin, like the Colin Farrell energy, but there's also this beauty within you. I and appreciate that. No, it's absolutely true. And your energy is that you, I remember, I, I, do you know, I can't remember if I heard you say it or I I just had it in my head. It's so hard sometimes when you get voices mm-hmm. in your head, you feel like you're nutbag. But you are a channeler. You're a, you are a subconscious channeler. So what you've done is you could have easily have taken the Hollywood route, the TV route, producer route, which I feel you're still doing anyway, but your subconscious channeling energy has got the most strongest energies coming from these portals saying, do this channel, 
do this. And it's and, and it is great because it's what you do present and you, you're doing your productions and stuff. But you're enabling you're enabling people to have a voice and your platform. I assume because I haven't I, obviously I haven't known you for a while, but I assume it's just gone bang like mine did back mm. in the day because mine's just sank, which I'll say about in a minute. And it's because you're enabling people with a voice because most people view what we have to say. People that are talking of things that aren't tangible are in the back, you know, the back pages with the psychics and the ads, yeah. you know, but, not, but you are giving a platform and you are bringing credit to the people that are trying to bring an awakening to the planet, because this is the time it has to happen. This mm -hmm. is the time it started 2012. It started 2000, bringing the millennial children in, just getting a bit deep on the philosophy now. And then it started again, 2022 and then 2023, this is when it needs to happen. Right. And this is why the resonance of the, the Schumann resonance is now starting to vibrate harder. And you are bringing that. So you have just bought so much awakening and knowledge to the planet. Don't ever forget that in what you do. Mm -hmm. I appreciate Seriously, that. you're an absolute I, legend. I appreciate, I, when, I appreciate when do that. I get my 50 quid for saying that? Is it now? Or... <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell I'll send you some PayPal or Venmo later. Um no, it's 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 fairly interesting too, because uh, you know it's a lot of the things that are you saying about what's hap happened to you and your journey, it's kind of already happened to me because I'm I came out of nowhere. I, you know, in the, in the spiritual space, I have no spiritual credibility. Really? Like, I, I no didn't want to know a lot about you. You say, this is what I don't yeah, no know. One... I want to know a lot about who I'm talking with so I can let it organically flow what I observe about someone. Yeah. It's, it's, I had no street credibility, you know, like when I opened up my podcast in the filmmaking space, I'd been in the film industry for 25 years. So I could talk wow. very care, you know, very, very educated about the highs, the lows I'd work with big, movie stars and big productions i've done everything in the film industry at one point i have done so when i opened up that podcast it made sense i'm like yeah i could talk about this and i could talk about that because i i, I do it i am i am it but when i was told to do this i was just like you're insane i have no street credibility i have no i no one who's going to listen to me about spirituality and they're like just do what you do and it started to grow and grow in january of 2022 is when i took it seriously Okay. I took it seriously January 2022. And then it took about six to eight months and October exploded. So we went from 75,000 views in a month to I'm so lucky. I don't bloody get that. 1.1 million in a month, that same month. And now we're averaging about 10 million a month. That's what I'm views. saying. You it's, are chosen. But yeah, this, I, is what, this is what I'm, you know, this is, I'm at the beginning of this now, because what happened was, is that I ended up five years in bed. Um, we, before you continue, Nikki, before you continue, I have to ask you, because you have very deep insight on the spiritual, your spiritual path, your soul journey, yeah. your soul blueprint, your soul contract. Why did this happen to you? If you were doing everything correctly and according to plan, why was this derailment? Because this is a, massive derailment why is that because and this is why i mentioned my past i was a very angry person for the abuse that i sustained that's why i mentioned it it wasn't a feel sorry for me because i knew that'd be relevant because i knew you're gonna ask this i'm psychic i'm joking <laughs> <laughs> but, but it's it's hot it's, and the thing is is that 
even though, and I don't want people to misconstrue this, even though, you know, I was doing 5,000 crowd strong theatres sold out everywhere. Everywhere I went, everything sold out. I had like um, all of my workshop seminars sold out years in advance. It was just crazy. Like, you know, 6,000 people on a waiting list for reading. It was just ridiculous how it all was. But I wasn't absorbing it myself. So I was doing this machine, but I was still living with my demons because I had so much abuse that it was, you're not worthy, you're useless, you are, you're just filth. And that's what I was told all of the time. And that's what I believed. And so there was kind of like an unhealthy, an unhealthy push to help humanity. I wanted to people please. I wanted to save. An empath has got that skill. I just had an mm-hmm. all go across them. There was empaths obviously do have that, that they want to save, they want to help. And that's why they end up in relationships with you know alcoholics, addicts, and saving people. And mm-hmm. they end up with the worst partners. Um, but I'll tell you about that in a minute, happy ever after. It's all spoilers for the books, but I don't care. <laughs> and third one, I've got no spoilers for that one yet. That's coming out soon. But anyway, so I had that, this people-pleasing thing, and I was absolutely exhausting myself, wanting to give everybody everything. And everybody knew me for, and all the theatres, the staff, the crew, I'd go over half an hour because I just wanted to give that little bit more. I kept pushing myself mm-hmm. to give it. And so what happened was, had the road accident, this thing I was with, who was a gambler, um, had drink problems. He was a Connor, a scammer. I didn't know because it was part of my path not to know how, just don't even go there. And he just cleared me out. And as I say, I was homeless. So I was sofa hopping with my two little dogs, a couple of dustbin bags. And that was it. I lost everything apart from the shirt on my back. Thank God I had that. I was with scared people. And what I was saying, and most of you get emotional. I always do when I talk about this. So I ended up magically, this is so funny. This is so funny. I was staying at my friend's house and my nan come and visit because I literally let off one night. I was in so much pain and I was so lost and so desperate and so suicidal. I wanted to die. The pain was so excruciating. I was on morphine and they couldn't work it out. And in the end, they said, oh, you've got ME fibromyalgia, off you go. And I thought that was just rubbish diseases that, you know, hypochondriacs made up. Oh, I'm so wrong. It's most of the most horrific pandemics of our, you know, our century. And um, I was laying there and I couldn't move my hands. I was like, I, you know, I was incontinent. My eyes were bulging out of my head. They're in so much pain. And I just went, what the F word? What is going on? One minute you're haunting me and getting me to work here. I, I hate you. And I was screaming out. And then my nan just came in and said, go turn your phone on. My nan, she was just, my my grandma was just one of my guardian angels at the time. And I thought, I said, oh, that's great. Come from the spirit world and tell me to put my phone on. What the hell? So I turned it on and this advert came on for this cottage. And this cottage, I thought, it can't be that. It can't be the cottage I used to. And years ago, I used to drive past this this really old Victorian cottage by a cemetery and I used to joke to my friends and say I'm gonna live there one day because it's in a cemetery with dead people and I love old buildings and it was by the sea and she and then they said go there so the following morning I thought well do you know what I've got nothing else so I said to my friend I was staying with can you drive me I couldn't drive I was literally so disabled and so 
wanting to die. I just was looking at the morphine every day thinking, I want to go home. But then I started losing my faith, thinking there isn't a home. I'm just going to die anyway. Good. I was in that energy. And um, I literally, we went down to this cottage. And as we got closer and closer, I went, you have got to be kidding me. Turned up and it was a cottage that I've been saying for years in jest, I'm going to live there. I had no money, right? This Mm -hmm. is how it works. This is how it works. And this is why I'm trying to tell people every day now. I had no money. And I walked up, it was on the grounds of the cemetery. It's where the cemetery lodge keeper used to live, right? Mm-hmm. And it was in the middle of nowhere. And I knew I needed to be away from people, from technology. And it was surrounded by forests and rivers. There was a river running down the bottom of it. And I said, I'm I'm, I'm, I'm moving in here. And, and my friend said, you haven't got any money, darling. And I'd love to lend you some money for rent because I haven't got it. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. And now back to the show. And so I said, don't worry. So I found out and said, yes, um, I want to take this cottage. Please just looking at me like, what can you do? You haven't got any money. I went, yes, I'm going to take the cottage, please. And she went, okay, then. So she goes, do you actually want to go? No, I don't want to have a look. I know what it's like. I, I want to take it. She's like, okay, then. Well, we need to go through, you know, doing the credit checks. And I'm like, okay. So Janet's looking at me, my friend, like, this is not going to go well. And I just knew it. And so I just said, yeah, okay, do it. Right. I have got no clue because I was then in a black then because my house had been repossessed. My home had been repossessed. I was like blackballed. It went through. And then my friend randomly said, I think you need a bit of help. I'm going to lend you 5,000 pounds because I know you're going to get it back. And I went, do you, why? And he goes, I just want to help you. I'm like, okay, so that gave me the rent money for a few months. The credit rating went through, complete miracle. And literally when I got in the cottage, um, I remember a voice saying, this is your sanctuary. You're here to heal. This is the most peaceful place. Not going to lie, Alex, had the lights on for the first seven days because I literally, the first grave was about five foot away from my lounge. And... Literally, I was surrounded by graves everywhere, and it was pitch black, no superficial light. There was no houses in sure. It was just a forest in a cemetery. And I thought, oh, my God, this is going to be haunted. And then people said, oh, you know, someone hung themselves in the mall just, just outside the house. I'm like, oh, lovely. Thank you very much. Nothing. It was the least haunted place I've ever been in my life. What? And then literally within a few days, that's when it started. That's And I literally, I want to kill myself. The one thing that stopped me was my dogs. But then I remember going back a few years, my dad from the spirit world visited me um, to tell me that I was going to go through all this. But that's when the angel started. And I had the seraphim, which I didn't even know they were. And they were the ones, when I heard them come into the room, I thought, oh, my God, I don't believe this. And now I'm going to take you back to when I was rocking after I'd received abuse. That Do you know I told you about the radio in the distance? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It was the same song. Oh, and they said, we've been, you, we've been with you since that whole time. And we're sorry you've had to do this, but you went so far off your path and you need to serve humanity, but you also need to love yourself and you need to own our energy when you work and you've never done that. We need to bring you back. 
And then my guide, Julianus, came in. And the reason I knew they were there is this whole dark shadow come over. The dogs reacted. So they were barking in the doorway where they were manifesting. So mm. I knew that I wasn't hallucinating. Mm. I knew it was real. And they basically showed me standing in brambles, overgrown, and they showed me the path I should be on. And Julianus, again, it's in my book, said... My darling child, when I was I went for a healing session, do you honestly think we would have put you through this pain? We need you were strayed so far off your path because of your ego, because you didn't feel that you deserved good enough. Right. We need to bring you straight back. We need to bring you back on the path. And unfortunately, you've got to go through hell to get through it. So that five years was the best five years of my life. Even though it was I was in bed the whole time and I was alone most of it, I was shown. Miracle, synchronicity and lessons for me to learn self-love. All of my demons were eradicated. All of my mental health issues were eradicated from the abuse, even though I'd had loads of therapy. And they showed me how to live through the dark night of the soul, which was what I was going through materialistically and mentally, spiritually, physically. And they slowly brought me through. And then, you know, my nan would visit and say, try this drug. And I tried this drug and it got me out of bed. And then an angel would come in and it was amazing. One day I, I, I was obsessed with Power Blue. And um, I was sitting there and I remembered that I had these old Power Blue cushions. I had to have them around me on the bed. And I went downstairs and in the middle of the hallway, was a pale blue angel, like a figurine on a pale blue ribbon. I thought, I've never bought that. What the hell's that from? So I thought, oh, well, I'll take it up to the bedroom. And then I remember this voice saying, I'm Raguel. I'm like, that's nice. Never heard of you, love. Pleasure. <laughs> and I'm like, never heard of you because I never studied. I don't study. Sure. I don't study anything. I wait for them to tell me. Then I Google it, like my previous life in Rome. That's another story. Mm. And... um. So I went, oh, that's nice. Who are you? And I'm still angry because a lot of people said, oh, yeah, but, you know, you're, they're preaching to the converted. You know, you're always spiritual. No, I wasn't. I hated them with a vengeance. I was the least spiritual person. I had lost my faith completely. I hated them. I was suicidal. I just wanted to die, but I couldn't leave my dogs there. I'd seen what happened to people that kill themselves on their own and their dogs are left there for days. I couldn't do that. That's the only thing that kept me alive. And so he said, I'm going to help you. I said, are you really? That's nice. Still a bit, still a bit London, whatever, whatevs. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. he said, um, you need to make the phone calls now. Because I had literally um, all of the people turning up, banging on the door, phoning me, you owe this money, you owe that money, you know, and I had all the people coming in because all the debt had been passed over to all these people that were coming in the credit agencies and um, I said, we've taken everything. I don't know what else you can do. And I couldn't handle it mentally. And this Raguel said, trust me, make the phone calls. So after I'd heard this voice, I Googled the name Raguel. And he was the archangel of balance. And he helps with debt and bringing material balance back and harmony and justice and works on the power blue ray. <laughs> and I just found this angel, power blue. I'm like, oh my God, it just, you couldn't make it up. There were so many things, even when I read my book now, sometimes I just open, I think, my God, did that really happen? Seriously? Because I think, did that, so, yes, it did happen. And within a day, within a day, I had got rid of 65,000 pounds worth of debt. He just said to me, speak your truth. 
So I just picked up the phone. I was lucid because you get brain fog. I couldn't hold things. Mm -hmm. Sometimes mm -hmm. I was blind. Sometimes I couldn't hear. Mm -hmm. And I picked up and just went, do you want to take money from a disabled person that most of is never going to work again? Because I've got nothing to take to you. If you want to take me to court, please do. But you'll have to come and pick me up in a wheelchair. Oh, hang on a minute. Yeah, we'll just clear that debt. Don't worry. And it was all cleared within a day. And this was Archangel Raguel. And that's how I learned all of these angels. It wasn't from reading a book. It was, hello, this is who I am now. I'm Raphael. Who are you? Green all around me. I, I do healing. Do you? That's nice. That's how I used to talk to them. <laughs> and then it came to a stage where they took me through everything, through affairs I'd had in my past, abusive relationships, because you attract it as an empath. You, you attract narcissists because you don't feel good about yourself. The abuser that my mum married, the fact my mum abandoned me throughout it, the death of my dad, they took me through the whole lot. It was the biggest spiritual boot camp of my life. And I remember one day I thought, right, I looked and I remember looking at the morphine because I was incontinent, I was laying on towels, mm -hmm. I had carers, and I just thought, no, that the prognosis was I'd never walk again, I would never be up and about again. So that's it, you're just gonna rot in bed. And I thought, Do you know what? And I thought, I'm gonna have to sort out the dogs get them to stay somewhere and I'm just going to do it. That's how I'm going to do it. And then I sat there one night and I had the, I had the morphine in my hand and I thought, all I've got to do is drink this bottle and that'll be the end of it. And then I just thought, but is it, do I really want to go? And I thought, do you know what? I don't want to go. I don't. And something just made me, and this is the funniest thing. <laughs> You're going to love this. You're going to love this. So I come down and first of all, I walk through the cemetery and I had a hurricane lamp and a white, a white flannelette gown, right? Mm -hmm. Dressing gown. And I walked through and I was just walking through. I don't know why I was walking through the cemetery. I nearly created a road accident because a car was coming down the road and saw this figure. <laughs> the with a lamp like that. Very ghostly. Very, uh... I heard it go... I got the bush, thought, oh, my God. And then I just kind of laughed and thought, am I going to live or die tonight? What are you going to do, Nick? Are you going to go for it and drink that bottle? A bit like Alice in Wonderland. Are you going to drink mm -hmm. it or are you going to live it? And I started thinking back of the, the angels that had come, the seraphim had come, and they protected this place. And I thought, and I looked up, it was a full moon. It was blinking freezing. It would have been nice if it was L.A., but, we, you know, or Texas. And it was freezing and I just took my robe off and I was naked. I just needed to be naked to show my vulnerability and the fact that I was just surrendering. And I just looked up to the moon. And I said, I'm totally surrendering to you. I am going to literally get, I am literally going to pull my faith back now. You've had me, you've dragged me kicking and screaming. I said, show me, show me the way and show me how I can help humanity again. And I just literally dropped on the floor, crying my eyes out naked in the middle of this cemetery, freezing cold. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. And now back to the show. And then the following day, the following morning, I had a hamper on the doorstep from one of my friends who said, we really miss you. Here's some food. Here's some stuff for you. We know you haven't got any money. And then that started this thing of me reaching out because I'd been this big, big mm. detective and I don't need your help. I'm this, that. Mm. And I was suddenly reaching out and saying, I need help. 
And that's what most people don't do because they feel it's a weakness, it's a strength. Mm -hmm. And I started reaching out, saying to people, I need help. I need you to help me. I need you to brush my hair. I need you to bathe me. I need you to take me to healing. I need you. And slowly, 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 I started to see spirit people again. There was was these gardeners um, that were doing that, that used to look after the cemetery. And one of them, I said... I think it's in the book, actually. I said, oh, I've got this lady right next to me. I went, oh, God, it's my first person in years because I'd literally cut them off. I said, she's got a beige suit on. And I, I can't remember that. I said, she's saying about Sharon Maggie. And goes, no, nah, I don't know what you're talking about, love. And I went and I started crying and went back in the house. And then I, then I got on this new drug, this low-dose naltrexone. And I, I thought, my, my computer died. And I thought, that's random because it's a new one. I just bought it. So I thought, if I'm going to live, I'm going to have a new computer. Mm. And I sorted out my debt. And um, someone had offered it at a really cheap price. I said, I'll have it. But the the, the battery had gone. So that's really weird. So I literally was so proud of myself because I took a drive up to the computer shop and he said, leave it with me. And on the way back was a place I used to work at, used to do workshops at, a big community place, a big old mansion. And I walked in there and there was a lady sitting there. And I just said to her, Is your mum passed? She went, yeah. So I said, Sure, has if you've got a husband called Dave who works in a cemetery, she went, Yes. And I went, Okay. So I said, If I told you about a lady with a baby, she went, Oh my God. Anyway, turns out it's her first day out after four months. And the woman that I was describing to her husband was her mum. And he just mm. went, No, no, no. And suddenly it was back and it was there. And I realized that my path from then on wasn't just to prove the afterlife. I still do it. I still do Zoom mm-hmm. evenings, mediumship and that kind of thing. But it was to be the guiding hand to people going through darkness, you know, the dark night of the soul or to go through crisis or darkness while they're down here. So, you know, one of my biggest things is to educate people, awaken them so that they can live a more lateral life of one foot in like I do now, never been so happy. I've met the love of my life, my soulmate. Um, and it's just this, I and I ordered, I, they taught me how to cosmic order. So I now live by the beach, never thought I would. I've got a house, don't ask me how I got it, mortgage free. Mm-hmm. I've got no mortgage. It's mm-hmm. just incredible. And so suddenly in the last year, it's then been, well, come on, you need to start doing this online business. And I'm like, Mm. oh, I can't be doing all that virtual stuff. So I've only just started out doing, really pushing my energy towards my YouTube channel, Instagram and Facebook and my my website. And then things like the QR tarot cards came, you know, they just said to me, you need to do this. And they've started, and these angel people and these guides are starting to introduce me to technology stuff. So they mm-hmm. said, do a QR tarot cards. And I'm like, what are you talking about? And so I created, they taught me about my tarot cards, that you have a QR code on the back. Nobody's ever done it. And you click on it to learn tarot. And there's a video of me on my friend giving the description of the cards instead of having to look up in the book. And it's just gone massive, viral over, you know, the US, England and Beautiful. Australia. And all I want now is, is just to grow my community, you know, and I and I see people like you and wonderful Jeff Mara, who's a wonderful friend. And I think that's what I need to do now. I need to grow my awareness through online because for me, sitting here doing this, and I'm so internally grateful to you, I can't say that enough. 
it doesn't hurt me as much as me having to go touring because of my condition. I've still got my condition. I thought, hang on a minute. Are you not going to heal me completely then? You're not mm-hmm. going to do that. But, you know, through my first book, Me, Myself and I, A Diver Psychic, the people I've reached worldwide that have got chronic fatigue syndrome, any chronic illness, have gone, you've given me a reason to live. You've mm-hmm. shown me that we're mm-hmm. not alone. You've shown me that I can get through my darkness. And so that's what I'm here for, to bring people through their darkness. And so now it is, but it is, as you know, you, and you're you're meant to be doing this. That's why it's gone bang. I'm just waiting for my bang. So I've only got 15,000 subscribers. So I'm like, where's my, where's my big bang? Oh, the, <laughs> bang might, the bang might come sooner than you think. Let's just get this released. I hope so, because as I said to you, I'm going over to Florida to do um, a conference in October, which I can't believe. I'm just so excited about that. I don't know why I say I can't believe, but I get so... I haven't got my demons anymore that I feel I don't deserve it. But I'm so, wow, they've asked me. I'm just so grateful and Mm -hmm. so happy and so in touch with myself now and so... I operate so much self-love, which I never thought I could do because I was so damaged, so damaged. Mm. Um, and so well, I just want to bring that to everybody else, that that, you know, that feeling of being alive and awake. What's so beautiful about your story, uh, Nikki, is that on the outside, everything seemed to be running on all cylinders, which was your career and mm. you were you were very famous and you had money and it seemed like it, but because you had not worked internally on yourself, it was, you were living two different lives essentially. Yes. And, and that's Absolutely. the, yeah, because if you don't deal, and I, I come from Hollywood, so I very much understand that <laughs> world of people like, I'm perfect. And in the background, they're just the most damaged human beings on the planet. Oh my God, they're the worst. I, I just, had a high celebrity amount of, you know, people that came to me and they were the worst. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's, you know, as a director, you deal with them on a very intimate level. So you see, you know, when you, when you spend 12 hours a day with somebody, you figure it out pretty quick, a week's yeah, out of I time. So, so I think this is a really great lesson for people listening is that just because the outside looks perfect, or you feel that you're like, Hey, I got my career. I got this, I got that. If you don't deal with that baggage that you had to deal with, like for me, it was writing my first book, which was about my trauma with the mafia and making a 20, almost making a $20 million movie with the mob. And, and did you? Yeah. Oh my God, it was, it. yeah it's, it's, a, it's, it's my first book, but um, I was a 26 year old kid. I, I almost, uh, I almost made a, I was basically caught up with the mob for a year. Cause they wanted me to make a movie about this ex gangster. It was a $20 million movie. I, my, my, my offices were in a horse racing track. <laughs> it's genius. And one day it will be made into a movie. And then, um, and then Hollywood took me seriously. And then I got, I met the biggest movie stars in the world. I met billion dollar producers. I'm in Hollywood being, you know, wined and dined. I, yeah. I went to, I went to Batman's house. Uh, oh literally, my God. Literally. So, but that experience oh, scarred me yeah. for, because I was, my life was being threatened on a daily basis. Uh, you know, I was like this, this, I was in a very abusive relationship, verbal uh, and sometimes physical abuse with this gangster who was like Joe Pesci from Goodfellas. And I did that oh for a year um, and feeling, you know, just feeling without any power, powerless. And, and, you know, but then it's like the, the carrot kept dangling. Cause you're like hanging out with Batman yeah, and you know, all this it. kind of stuff. But that trauma, I held on to it until in my forties. till I said, I got to break through this. I wrote my book 
And that kind of exercised a lot of those yes. demons. And then I did the audiobook and that exercised some more demons. Yeah. And, oh yes. and I feel that once I make the movie one day, that will probably put the nail in the coffin of that, of I that think whole. You should put me in it. I think you should. I think you should. You you and Meryl. I think you and Meryl should be fantastic. You and Meryl Streep will be fantastic together. Uh, (laughs) But but Nikki, so so you you've talked a lot about the 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 dark night of the soul that you know many of us go through in life. We're here. Everybody is. No one gets a free pass if you incarnate. No one has a perfect life all the way through something has because if not what's the point of this situation like you don't come down here just for a vacation generally speaking yes there are vacation the lives. Souls do. yeah the but souls ge- but generally speaking there's still some something happens during yeah. the, during life you, you yeah. can't all be you know all be you know peaches and rainbows but yeah. so this dark night of soul we're talking about individually can you talk about what you have seen for humanity because there seems to be so much stuff happening you kind of mentioned it with the potential of war and the money and the politics and the division it seems like everything's going to hell in a handbasket yeah i'd love to hear from a psychic medium's point of view what the spirit world has to say about where we're going in the next six months year five years ten years this is incredible because i was actually told it inadvertently back in 2014 we'll be right back after a word from our sponsor And now back to the show. During my time I was in bed, I was writing my diary of what it felt like to be completely abandoned, ill, blah, 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 which is the first book. But then I had the most incredible dream, the most lucid, incredible dream. And I I thought it was a psychic dream for me to write a fictional book. And I wrote Mm -hmm. it within three months. And it's called Earthwalkers, the Children of the Light. And I, I'm going to have to run it by my editor to see if he thinks it's a bit too close to the nub of what's going on. But basically, I was already told this back in 2014. So the story was is that um, there will be mass. Um, this is how I write my story. Basically, what happens is there's a cult of different beings from different dimensions, different planets, whatever you want to say, right? And they all come together and they say to the source, God, whatever you want to call him, we got a massive problem. Earth is really not doing well. It is, it's totally been abused. Plant, planet, animal, plant, land, humans themselves. It's just, we need to eradicate it again. We really do. Okay, this is my story. And then let's pretend he's God. It's not, but you know, let's call him God for the sake of Godness. And he says, right, it goes, but I, I really, it's like my, my my first planet I ever created. I've got a bit of a, you know, quite a passion for it. And so they say, right, well, what do you want to do? Should we eradicate it straight away? And what we'll do is we'll take all of the higher beings, you know, the people that are already awake, take them to another planet where they'll be absolutely fine because te- telekinetically they'll be okay with like, you know, the other dimensional beings and then just let the rest just diminish, just start again. So he says, no, no, he goes, what we'll do is, is we'll send three angels down, three angels who were, no, sorry, five, oh my God, I've lost my own thing, four angels down. And they will basically influence some children and we'll create things called the happenings to wake the planet up so that they suddenly change and everything will be brought back to where, how it should be. So I said, well, how's that going to happen? What are the happenings? He goes, 
And so the first happening is um, I actually write this. I don't know if you knew about the um, the attack in the arena at Manchester when Arana yeah. when what's her name? Arana Grande. I can't even remember her name now. It is Arana Grande, isn't it? Yeah, Grande? Yeah, 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 yeah. Where obviously there was attack. I actually wrote about the terrorist attack in the arena, um, but I actually the bomb was thwarted. Um, so. Basically, I then started talking about all of the terrorism. So that started to raise questions with the politicians in my story. I then, and just loads of things culminated. Um, disasters, Archangel area was angry. So all the disasters started. So I, started, I wrote about tsunamis that took place. And then I wrote about volcanoes that took place. And then I wrote about the devil as such, you know, because it's fiction, that Lucifer rises to the planet because of the surge of energy of everybody going down because of the, you know, this cryptocurrency and the politicians and everything and all this hate and the war. He manages to manifest on the planet and creates a condition where he could get his army together. And how he would get his army is, is his energy was infiltrated into a human. If he touched another human, they would get infected. Mm -hmm. And if they survived after seven days, they remained one of the Lucifer's army or they just died. Mm -hmm. And it was through touch. And so basically I was predicting COVID. So all through it were all the predictions of what was to come. And then the next book is all about how the politicians and the UN and everything's all completely unjust. And it was exposing all the power people, exposing all the money people and the manipulation and it culminates in a huge turnaround and everything's lovely at the end of it. But I've stopped writing the rest of the books because I thought, is there going to be a happy ever after? So when the Schumer resident, resident I still call it residents, when the Schumer mm -hmm. residents came up with um, Juliana, so I said, well, what's happening? I said, you, that book that you made me write, that's not fiction, is it? He went, no. He said, we are under judgment at the moment. We're in the most severe crisis of our lives. So what's happened is they brought the millennia children in. So these children perhaps have got Down syndrome, ADHD, autism, and they're trying to show unconditional love. You see how loving they are and how beautiful oh, their souls are. Yeah. And they're having more knowledge. So they're starting to remember previous lives and children don't lie. So we've got, and they're showing them previous lives, things like Ghost in My Child, you know, like that series mm -hmm. that was on where they remember the previous lives. They start, to, and this is all in my book, they start to infiltrate um, credible people, Dr. Eben Alexander, people that were brain surgeons, doctors are now saying, oh, I've seen this, I've seen that, I've done this, I've done that, I've seen aliens, blah, blah, blah. so they start to infiltrate the energy of credible people that aren't just the nut loops that were born psychic, do you know what mm -hmm. I mean? Mm -hmm. And so they're starting to try and bring this awareness. Now what's happening is, is that they're trying to expose politicians, people in power. They're trying to expose um, and make it so bad that people will revolt against things like the cryptocurrencies, things like the crisis of living. I don't know what it's like over there, but here it's ridiculous. People are going to food banks, nurses, police officers yeah, can't yeah. afford to feed their children. Oh, yeah, and yeah all culminating into a huge massive volcano of revolt and a reset so i said well how's it going to be reset it, they honestly they have valium up there with me because i go yeah but so mm -hmm. he said what's happening is the heartbeat is getting louder so so what's the heartbeat and that's when i thought we said the schumann residence he said mm -hmm. the schumann resonance it is revolting against everything that's happening the spikes of energy that used to bring 
he said that used to bring um, winter to spring to summer is now not loud enough. It's staying in a winter element. And he said, so we've got to sit and wait and wait for the resonance to reach people. And he goes, part of what you do and you, Alex, and all of the other people that are trying to bring the knowledge in, like we're doing at the conference, um, the Galactic and Spiritual Informers Conference, is trying to bring people awareness and and to make them awake. It's like this this local thing with the US Congress. I predicted that ages ago, that someone would say, yes, there is non-biological intelligence, whatever he said. Like he's basically saying, yeah, there is aliens and we do have spacecraft somewhere. Do you remember when that happened in the... Mm-hmm. In the and is that fake? Is it not? But slowly... He made it feel like it was an implosion. Juliana said there'll be an implosion where everything is going to be exposed. But he still left the scales hanging. So I said, well, are we going, are you going to eradicate us? Are you going to take us to another intelligent planet? It goes, it's a possibility. I'm like, oh, my God, I can't say that to people. And so it's a possibility. He said, but the more people that are awake and the more people that stand up for the justice and the more people that push and strive to expose the power people, Elon Musk and the Gates and all the rest of them. And all that is it Rose and Charles? He told me all these names. I don't even know what they are. Rothschild, Rothschild. Yeah. Oh, is it Rothschild? See, there you go. See, I don't I don't like reading or learning things because I want it organic from the source. And then Mm -hmm. I'll say to people, they might think, oh, God, are you thick? I don't care. I want it organic from him. So he kind of quoted these names to say that they're in so much control of everything and manipulating everything. And he goes, plus the abuse of each other, the abuse of animals, the abuse of young children, the abuse of the planet. He says it's all coming to an implosion, but he's left it in these scales. So it's almost like it's down to us to revolt. It's down to us to stand our ground. For instance, when we had the, I don't know about the five minute cities that they were going to impose on us where we, I don't know if you had it over there, but basically we weren't allowed to travel more than 15 minutes out of our our area where we live, um, more than 100 times. If you did, then you get fined. And there was bollards and armed police, and they weren't going to let you out of your own town. They they started implementing it. And it started in Oxford, which is like, you know, um, mid-England. And um, they all revolted. They just ripped all the cameras down. They smashed the bollards down. So we're not doing it because the government thought, don't worry, we'll play in with that like we did with the COVID and we'll keep them doing this. We'll keep them doing that. But they revolted. And so it's strength in spirit. It's strength in standing out ground and our rights to humanity and freedom that's going to free the whole world. If we sit and allow it to be, then I don't know what's going to happen, to be honest with you. However the resonance that's taking place at the moment is just, it's like shaking the wheat from the chaff. It's shaking out the gold from the silt and it's mm-hmm. showing humanity's going to win and all of the scum that have created this whole for all that's going on at the moment will be exposed. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. And now back to the show. And so it's a waiting game. It's a waiting game. And, you know, it's like, for instance, I I recently did a celebrity snoop for Donald Trump. I think he's going to be back in president again. I don't know if he could or he couldn't. I don't even know what's going on with him. But Mm -hmm. I saw justice. I saw a few things he's guilty for. And then I saw that he's going to be back president again. And then I initially thought he was someone that was like the rest of them. 
But perhaps he is someone that has got something to say and he's standing his ground against all the people that are trying to make him a puppet. I don't know. But all I know is, is that the smile that Julianus gave me was, we've got a rough ride, but it's going to be worth it. So it's almost like the planet is like how I was. The planet is like in the brambles and there's a path we need to get back on for it to resonate properly and to run properly and for humanity to be restored because there's nothing but hate and violence and fear of third world war and that idiot Putin, you know, Russia. It's just, I can't even, I don't watch live TV anymore. I can't mm, do yeah. it. I, I just don't want to connect with it. So, and so he smiles and says it will come. And so, so there's a, sorry, go on, darling. So no, it's, so it seems like, and I've heard this from others on the show that everything needs to kind of be the old has to be torn down. The old yes. systems has reset. to be torn down, reset, exposed for these new systems to come up. So something as simple as energy, you know, yes. if, if tomorrow we wanted to put an electrical grid on the entire or, or solar panels on every single house in the United States that can, that makes sense for that to happen. We yep. could switch over to solar and, and yes. renewable energy like that, really. Yeah. There's gonna there's still gonna be places that you need until technology changes, it's gonna still need fossil fuels, but you could diminish it dramatically if there was a will to do it. And it's there's exactly. if there's a will to do it, just because that's one of the reasons why corn costs pennies and meat costs pennies over here. It's cheaper to buy a burger at McDonald's than it is to buy some broccoli. Yes, it is. And that's the same here. It's almost like they're encouraging people to go downhill with their health as well. And oh, they're obviously, yeah. you know, our NHS system, you, I know that you have private insurances out there. And I don't, I think they're trying to push us into that environment. They're trying to break down the NHS so that we end up saying, well, no, we want to pay for our healthcare here, you know, and it's all these slow oh. manipulations. And I smile when I see it. But the end game, he smiles, Julianus, my main guide. And he's been with me for like since 1452. Um, I went and found him in my previous life in Rome. I thought, well, if you're my guide and you reckon I was with you, I'm going to go and find you. And I did. And I proved it. It was incredible. And he's with me and he's and he just smiles. And I've just got it there, naturally. Just this, this the frankincense mixed with the rose smell that it's all just going to come. And it's, it calls it the mass reset. And he says it's when the fifth continent will arrive. And I have got no clue what that means still now. And that's even we, in my book, the fifth we continent. More, we, about. I'm not a geology, a, a geography major, but we have more than five continents now, don't we? Yeah, oh, I know. <laughs> I know. That's what I'm thinking. But he's meaning, I don't, I, I, he, I don't know if he means like a fifth. I think he meant like, do you know, like fifth dimension? That's what I it means. He yeah, meant, fifth dimension. I yeah. think he, so he called it that, but I think he means the fifth dimension. So I just think that perhaps his millennia children that they that, that he kept talking about are the new leaders, the new people that will start oh. rising and say, "You can't do that to animals. You can't do that to the public. You well, can't it's do happening. that to the planet." You know, but, but but it's happening now. I mean, even my children, you look at them and they just look at some stuff that they see. They're like, "That makes no sense. That makes no yeah. sense." Like, that's why. Like, what do we mean racism? I don't understand. Like, it, yeah. it it doesn't compute with them as easily as. It, and I think my generation, your generation, we were kind of the bridge between the old and the new. Yes, like I'm gen absolutely. I'm Generation X. I'm a Generation Xer, and I always say that my generation is that bridge between. We understand what the old was like. We understand yeah. what that world was like, the way we were raised, <laughs> the way our technology was, 
how we're all alive is a miracle uh, comparatively to, to the new generation who grew up with the internet, grew up with information at their fingertips, grew up yeah. with so much more than we did, but we're that bridge. So I kind of understand it, but I see it. I see it in my kids. I see it in their friends. I see it in young people I talk to all the time. They just don't, they don't buy into this new this absolutely old right paradigm. yeah they just don't buy it they, innately i don't think it's even that we're teaching them that they just come in programmed like that i call absolutely. it programming from the factory <laughs> absolutely the millennia i call them the millennia children he refers to them as the millennia children and they're the ones that are coming in and as i say you've got the ones that we've labeled with these stupid bloody titles adhd autism blah, 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 and they're showing humanity unconditional love you know you, that and all of them cuddle show love so they're doing that part and then you've got the, the people that are going to question that's not right why are we doing that then you're going to get the intelligence of solar panels as you've just said and it's just simple things like that I remember walking down the street with my youngest niece and she stopped and I went are you okay and I thought she just stopped to look at this homeless guy and she went auntie Nikki can can we go to the shop and I'm like okay so I thought what was so she got into the shop and she and, and she got her money out her pocket money and she bought a sandwich and she was five years old and she walked out and she goes, please have this sandwich. I hope I hope it really helps you. And it, I just went, gee, I couldn't believe what I was seeing. And he looked up right. at her, looked at me, and I said, it's nothing yeah, to do that... with me. Yeah. She's done it. And it's the same as, you know, my other niece. Obviously, all of them are all spiritual. They've all got the gift. You know, my, my eldest ne nephew has already started doing readings. And, again, there was a cormorant, which is, I don't know if you have cormorants over in the in the U.S. It's like a... I don't know, it's kind of like a duck crossed with a gull <laughs> over here on the sea. <laughs> and there was one dead on the on the beach. And rather than go, oh, that's disgusting, I don't like it, she goes, we need to honour the life that that cormorant's had and what is given to the biosystem. And she was like, seven? I'm like, okay, then. So then we had to, she goes, Auntie Nikki, what is it, who is the angel for the animal kingdom? I says, Archangel Ariel. She goes, okay, can you please ask her to come? So she then created this, and she picked this bird up and put it in this hole and like built this kernel of, of rocks, put a feather in it and said, right, now ask Archangel Ariel to come down and honour presence of what this bird has done and ask him to be taken to the spirit world, please. I'm like, all right. And it's like, wow, and this is coming out of, you know, and this is what it's all about. So it's about waiting. And I think we've got a lot of bumpy rides to go through. Oh, yeah. It's yeah. the same as everything, fifth dimensional stuff. It's the same as everything. It's that it's the 18th hour when they go, or the 11th hour, whatever you want to call it, they'll go ding, and then suddenly something starts making it right again. That's how I feel it's going. Um but I, I, I still feel we've got another three, four years of just what the hell is going on until it does that big reset to the extent where we could even be going back to no electricity. They could be taking a load of that away from us. So we almost go back to basics again. You know, I'm such a fan of an apocalypse. I'd love a zombie apocalypse. All the bad <laughs> people could be zombies and we can fight them. <laughs> but I'd love it. We'll Sounds be like dead. you're coming oh, from Hollywood. God. It sounds oh, like no, you're coming from Hollywood. Tell me about it. But Nikki, no, on a serious uh, level, it's just the reset will come and we've got to have faith in that and continue spreading that awareness, bringing me as many people into the fold to, to awaken them, to say this is a reality. The more that we educate, the more that we send love, the more we question, 
the better we're going to be in the end. It's down to us. It's down Nikki, to us. I could talk to you for another three or four hours without question. I could talk to you as well. Uh... I want to know everything about you as well. I want to know you've met. Oh my God. <laughs> now, Nikki, I'm going to ask you a few questions. I ask all of my guests. Mm-hmm. What is your definition of living a fulfilled life? I feel it's nothing to do with material. Living a fulfilled life is self-fulfillment, surrounding yourself with love, trying to be the healthiest you can and sending out as much love as you can. Everything that is intangible in life is the most precious. The tangible is just an aside. It's quite good that was, isn't it? It was not bad. That's not bad. No, I've learned through my journey because obviously I had everything. I literally had money and had the house, had the holiday home, and then I had nothing. And I don't care if I'm in a shoebox. The fact is I have my soulmate. I adore myself. I I don't adore myself in a I love myself way, but I'm finally free of, of believing what my abuser told me. And I feel real and I'm quite happy to sit in my PJs on a bad day and talk to the world, which I'd never would have dreamed of doing. So self-fulfillment, self-love, surrounding yourself in love and just giving that out has got and being and then trying to be the healthiest you can, mind, body, and soul has got to be the key to a fulfilled life, surely. What obviously connecting with the source as well. If you had a chance to go back in time and talk to little Nikki, what advice would you give her? We'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. And now back to the show. I think it would be be brave, love yourself, and let, don't let anybody ever steal your energy. How do you define I think that? I needed to go through it, though. I think, obviously, it was my plan. But um, it, was, it was all, it, obviously, we, were all, we all have our plans, our life plans when we come down. But I think that's what it would be. Stay strong. Love yourself and don't let anybody steal your energy. How do you define God? I've been there. I've been in a cavern. I've been with the omnipresence and it is an all pulsating, all being, all living with millions of images going through of humanity. And it is the biggest plug socket of the universe. And the plug socket holds millions of tiny, tiny little plug sockets. And that essence that throbs, ebbs and flows with the vitality of the whole of the universe is just there waiting for everybody to plug themselves back in. That's God. And once you're plugged in, your life will never, ever be the same again. And what is the ultimate purpose of life? Soul ascension, learning, engraving memories, experiences, triumphs, disasters in your soul to go back up, to reconnect with your soul cluster, to come down and do it again and continue this soul ascension. Without getting too deep, I know where we can potentially end up if we no longer want to be incarnated in human form and the, the dimensions are endless and the beauty is endless and infinite. But that's the whole reason we're here, soul ascension and etching our souls with all of the most curious and most exuberant and the most humble things we possibly can whilst we're down here. And we do it all again. This is a speck, a tiny salt speck in an ocean that we are doing here this lifetime. And we realise that when we get back up and we do that little notch on our soul and then we think, what are we going to do next to add a few more notches? Love it. 
<laughs> and where can people find out more about you and the amazing work you're doing in the world? Um, my website, Nikki Allen, is A-L-A-N. I work in my dad's name, .co.uk. Jump over to my YouTube channel, which is Nikki Allen, the Bedroom Guru. Um, I'm on all the other sites as well, Facebook, Insta, all of that. But the main website, that gives you everything. There's all the Linktree stuff there. I've only learned about Linktree. This is what I mean in the last couple of weeks. I'm rubbish at this. So please come and join me and help grow our tribe because I don't know how to do it. But I'm trying my best by sitting in front of a camera. All my books are available on Amazon. I've got um, loads of series of soul journals. My QR, oh, my 10-hour tarot course. Have a look at that. All videos mm -hmm. and interactive stuff. It's just go and have a look on the website. Go to the shop and you'll see everything I provide for you. And it's always growing. Next book's coming out. Um, and new courses are coming out. I just want to do as much as I can to help humanity while they're down here and they're struggling. It's as simple as that. And you're definitely invited back when your new book comes out to talk about that as well, oh, my dear. Oh my God, I'm just going to write it so I can come back and see you. <laughs> and finally, do you have any parting messages for the audience? I just want to say, one, thank you for listening if you listened this long. And please always know that no matter what you go through in life, no matter how desperate you feel, you are never alone. I can categorically promise you, you're never alone. All you have to do is surrender and reach out. And that's when the miracles start. Okay, so whether it doesn't matter what belief system you are, doesn't matter what religion you are, there is always going to be someone up there in that mist, a whisper away, just wanting to help you. Just please reach out. And it does to reach out to people like Alex and me. Just watch what we've got to tell you. Watch what we've got to share with you and what you can learn from us, because you can take it on board and live the best life you can down here. Just reach out and surrender. Nikki, I appreciate you and everything you're doing for the world, my dear. Thank you so much for sharing your journey. Straight back to you. Namaste, my darling, because you are a legend. And it's been an absolute pleasure and honor. Thank you so much. I want to thank Nikki so much for coming on the show and sharing her knowledge and experience with all of us. If you want to get links to anything we spoke about in this episode, head over to the show notes at nextlevelsoul.com forward slash 338. And if you've only been listening to this over podcast and you want to watch these amazing conversations, please subscribe to our YouTube channel at nextlevelsoul.com forward slash YouTube. Thank you so much for listening. And remember, trust the journey. It is here to teach you. I'll talk to you soon.